be brave. And I don't know of any people on the face of the planet that are braver than mums. Yeah, they have to put up with all sorts of things. I, I can remember, um, you know, I go off to work and uh, Trinity would be home in the, with the kids in the afternoon because in her job she's able to finish in time for the kids. And uh, I can remember coming home from work and I've just had a day at work and it's all kind of cool. And, you know, you kind of walk through the door. I don't know if this happens to many guys, but walk through the door and she's almost standing at the door with the children saying, here, have your children. Yes? Have your children. How come they're my children when they're naughty, but they're her children when they do amazing things? How does that work? And so the kids would just get given to me, and I'd be like, you know, barely in the door, and two children, and, and then I'd hear what the afternoon was like. I don't think there's any braver thing to do in life than to be a mum, because of the highs, but also because of the lows, yeah? We, I remember when um, uh, Madison was younger, she was quite um, a strong-willed child, would be the nice way to put it. Um, and Trinity is the kind of personality where she just wants everybody to be happy and just to get along. And so she found it was easier after dealing with uh, troubled youth all day that when she came home, she didn't want to have to fight at home. So it was just easier to let Madison do whatever she wanted. How many people know that a three-year-old ruling the house is just not a good option? And so she had to become brave and overcome these obstacles of dealing with this and getting that child on the right track. Because, you know, stubborn streaks or kids that have a real strong will, it's not our job to crush those things, it's our job to direct those things. Because if we can direct their strong will, if we can direct their stubbornness when it comes to God, then they'll stand when they're at university. They won't falter and they won't fall when the pressures come because there's something of God on the inside of them. And so it's about us directing it, but also, as far as being brave, I think that a lot of us mums, and uh, you know, I'm speaking as a guy, but I can say this as a dad, I think that also, along with being brave and dealing with stuff as being a mum, there's also a high level of anxiety as a mum. And so I just want to speak to you this morning, to mums, but to all of us, about how to be brave. How to be brave. Why don't you turn with me to Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. And this is Paul, and Paul says this, he says, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I think there's a couple of interesting things in this little piece of verse. First of all, Paul says, be anxious about nothing. Now, the crazy thing about Paul right now is when he was writing this book, when he was writing this letter, the Philippians letter, he was actually in prison. He was writing this from prison. Now, prison in those days is not like prison in our days. Prison in those days had raw sewage running for it. Prisons in those days were not like what they have. It's not underfloor heating in the prison. It was a really bad, bad place to be. And Paul, in the midst of this prison, in the midst of all the stuff that is going on, I don't know about you, but if I was that environment, I'd probably have a fairly high level of anxiety. Yes? 
And Paul is writing from that place saying, hey, be anxious for nothing, but in all things bring your requests to God with praise and thanksgiving. He just had this understanding that if I can bring my requests, if I can, if I can have this praise and this thanksgiving going on in the midst of my anxiousness, all of a sudden my anxiousness starts to be overcome because I'm not coming from a position of anxiety, but I'm coming from a position of elevating Christ of elevating God, of praising and thanking Him for all that He has done, is going to do, and is doing right now. And then it says this, then, after all of that, then the peace of God will come that passes all understanding, guard your what? Guard your heart and to guard your mind. I don't know about you, but when anxiety comes into my world, it comes in both places. It comes with my thinking gets out of control, and then my heart follows very, very quickly. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And Paul is saying here, he's saying, you know, be anxious for nothing. All of us have things that we get anxious about. And in our house, Trinity has three children, Madison, Seth, and myself. Because every woman knows that their husband is just a grown child. I thought I would have got an amen on that one. Hey? We're just little boys and big boys' bodies. And we all have these irrational fears that we have. All three of us have an irrational fear. Madison, she's not here this morning, she's going to kill me when I do this, but anyway, that's all right, I'll survive. Madison has this irrational fear about homeless people. So when we're walking on Queen Street, she puts me between her and a homeless person. Now, I don't mean to sound horrible, but she has an irrational fear. And when I say to her, why do you do that? She goes, homeless people are ex-murderers. That's, that's what she thinks. She has this irrational fear around home. She's absolutely frightened of them. She will cross the road. She's just, and I'm saying to her, but honey, our job as Christians, as followers of Christ, is that we show love and grace and mercy. And she goes, I'll show that to everybody. She just, she has this irrational fear. Not once has it been in the newspaper that as somebody was walking up or down Queen Street, that a homeless person got up and killed them with it. It just doesn't happen. They're just homeless. They're not evil. They're not bad people. But she has this irrational fear about homeless people. Seth has an irrational fear about ants. Now, I believe his irrational fear about ants is partly Trinity's fault because when he was little and he'd go to bed with a grubby face and refuse to go and clean it, any mums know what we're talking about here, Trinity would say to him, if you don't go and clean your face and get rid of the grubbiness, ants are going to come during the night and eat your face. <laughs> you didn't hear that advice on the couch. So he has this irrational fear about ants. Ants. Some of you have irrational fears about spiders. Somebody in this room who I won't mention, Erica Lee, um, every time she stays at our house in the spare room, I have to go in there and get rid of all the spiders, daddy long legs or whatever, because she, otherwise when she gets home from youth at like midnight, all we will hear is, ah! and I don't want to hear that at midnight. All of us have irrational fears. I have an irrational fear of being tickled. I think tickling somebody 
is the most demonic, oppressive thing on the face of the planet. And Trinity will tell you, if you try to tickle me, there will only be a violent reaction. Irrational. Yet, when it comes to my children, tickling is normal, isn't it? Isn't what you do? You pin them down and tickle them until they just about pee themselves? That's, that's fine, just don't do it to me. Tickling is evil. We all have irrational fears. We all have fears that don't make sense. We all have fears and anxieties that we have that are actually really needless. They're actually really needless things. The, the word that Paul uses here, be anxious, the word anxious here in the, in the Greek literally means this. It could be translated as needless anxiety or genuine concern. So Paul is saying, don't have any needless anxiety for anything. You know that it's possible to have a genuine concern but not be anxious and to trust God in that. It's, it's one thing to have a genuine concern, and then it's another thing to have a needless anxiety. Are you with me? We have a genuine concern for our children, don't we? But then we have some needless anxiety about our children. You know, um, I, I've really enjoyed teaching Madison how to drive. It hasn't been a drama for me. Um, you know, I, I picked up new L plates because they were fading yesterday, and the sky, as I'm putting them on the car, he says to me, good luck. And I'm like, it's been easy. It's not been hard. I've only had one moment in her first driving lesson where I thought I was going to die. Other than that, um, it's been a breeze. It's been really easy. She drives really well. In fact, now it's really bad because I'll get in the passenger seat and she's driving into the city, in, in Auckland City, and I just sit there on my phone playing games and stuff. I'm not even concentrating about what's going on because it's just been a breeze. But there is a needless anxiety that I've discovered starting to come into my world by the fact that probably in a week's time she's going to be driving on her own. Not that I'm paying any attention when I'm sitting with her, but the thought of her driving on her own, even though I know she's a safe driver, even though I know she's careful, and that the thought of her driving on her own, for me as a parent, starts to, starts, you start to get a little bit of anxiety. Does anybody, any parent understand what I'm talking about? Um, but I should not fear Madison driving her own because she'll be fine. Seth, on the other hand, has told me that when he gets his license, he's going to drive really, really fast. And so he is not getting his license um, because I don't trust him. But we do, we have these needless anxieties about all sorts of things that happen in life. Have you ever gone for a situation where you felt really upset or worried or have this needless anxiety about something and then the situation happens and then afterwards you're like, I don't know why I got so wound up about that. Yeah, anybody have that? Listen to what Romans says, Romans chapter 8, it says this, What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And verse 37, yet in all these things we are what more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, 
nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In, in other words, the writer is saying, in this thing, how are we going to respond to this thing, in this, in this anxiety or in this anxiousness, how shall we respond? If God is for us, who can be against us? If, if, if nothing can separate us from the love of God, what are we worried about? Why are we concerned? And the writer of Romans is saying, you know, when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to worry, when it comes to fears, let's get ourselves a heavenly perspective on it. Let's get a perspective that God has, that, that even though all hell may be breaking loose around me, I'm not breaking loose because my God has got me. Because my Bible says that I am in His hand and nothing can take me out of His hand, that, that I am safe, that I am secure. You know, I... I, I wrote this kind of thought down this week and it's like there's nothing wrong with telling God about your problems but at some stage you need to start to tell your problems about your God and that's about having a heavenly perspective and understanding you know what God's got this God is in this it's about having a perspective of who he is and I find that when you get into that perspective all of a sudden needless anxiety just gets eliminated because it's not what you go through actually that causes the problem it's how you go through it I remember uh, a few long time ago I say a few years ago I think we were just dating at the time some guys and friends of mine they were surfers and I decided that I wanted to learn how to surf and so I went out with them to carry a tahi to go surfing and it was a it was a really messy day, you know, of waves. I weren't consistent, nice sets. It was just a lot of wash and, and there's a lot of um, rips and stuff like that out there. But I decided that I was going to learn to surf. And so I paddled out with them. That was the easy part because I'm doing that with them. And then I decided I'd try and ride a wave in. And they told me, you take this one because it's a little bit smaller and you'll be able to handle this. So I tried to ri ride a wave in. And of course, I fell off, didn't I? And then the problem was anxiety levels started to hit an all-time high because every time I came up out of the water, another wave hit me and knocked me back down again. And then I came back up out of the water and another wave hit me and I went back down again. And it just went on and on and on. I was struggling to get back on the board. And you know what starts happening? I'm going to die. This is the end. I managed to get back up on top of the board and the waves kept coming and then the guys were out the back. They were laughing <laughs> at me being hammered by wave after wave until I started crying out like, like a fearful person. I literally thought I was going to die. I, I had no energy left to paddle, to do anything, and my anxiety levels were just so high. I mean, I was just like, I couldn't even think straight. And they're yelling out to me, just paddle to the shore just paddle to the shore. I, I start paddling out. I start paddling sideways. I pa start paddling everywhere but in. You know? I, I'm going everywhere which way but in. Why? Because my anxiety levels were so high now that I, I just couldn't even think straight. I couldn't operate. I couldn't function. Isn't that what it's like for us? That when we get these huge needless anxieties about us, these, these fears about us, you can't even think straight anymore. You can't even process the situation straight anymore because uh, the emotion is so high that you just can't even, you know, when people turn around and say, well, hold on a sec, let's just talk about the facts. No, no, facts are irrelevant when you're in anxiety, yes? 
It's all about the emotion. It's all about how I feel is going on, what, not what actually is going on. And James says this in the book of James. He says that, you know, when we are tossed to and fro by the waves, that we become unstable in all of our ways. When waves of anxiety come and they hit us time and time and time again, all of a sudden we're so overwhelmed by these waves that we just become unstable in everything, unable like I was, not knowing which way to paddle. I would just became completely in a fog of everything. And this is what anxiety does. And, and I just want to share with you five ways that we create ways of anxiety in our hearts. And then we're going to look at five ways that God teaches us that we can be brave. Is that cool? Yes? All right, the five ways that we create ways of anxiety in our hearts is the first one is words. The words we speak and think can create anxiety. God created the world with words. We know that, that he spoke the world into being with his words. And our words have the ability to create atmospheres of anxiety or atmospheres of peace. And when we speak negatively about our situation, all we really do is drown ourselves in those words. We just allow those waves to come when it comes to our words. So words is one way that we can cause a wave of anxiety to hit us. The second way is approach. It's the approach. We don't always become anxious because of everything we have to do, but more we become anxious of how we're going to handle it, how we're going to deal with it. It's not so much what we have to do, but how am I going to deal with it, yes? Come on. Everybody that has ever been married understands what they have to do to get married but every single one of us have anxiety when it comes to planning the wedding because of the way that we approach it hello and so sometimes the way to deal with anxiety is actually to stop for a little bit and make some practical adjustments in our preparation because if you can prepare well it helps to eliminate the anxiety because the anxiety is really about not what has to be done, but how is it going to happen? And so we get ourselves wound up about how it's going to happen. So if we can prepare well, then we are preparing in advance, and therefore anxiety doesn't increase. Because we actually, oh, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. And so we have a plan of how we're going to approach this. The third one is voices. Voices. I once heard this. It said, if we eat a steady diet of what the media offers, we shouldn't be surprised if we get a stomachache. You know, like, I, I like watching the news, but I hate watching the news. What voices do you let speak into your world? Not just when it comes to the news, but people, stuff you read, the stuff you listen to, talk back radio, whatever it is. What voices is it that we let's speak into our worlds because voices have a huge impact. They have an ability to cause problems or to calm things. When Jesus spoke, he calmed the waves. But wrong voices can actually stir up the waves. Yeah? There's nothing, nothing, nothing worse than when you're facing something and you talk to somebody and rather than them calming you, they go, oh my gosh, I don't know how you're going to deal with that. Oh! if I were you, I would just be, uh, and then what does that do? It's like, it's not comfort, is it? It's not support. It's just like pouring 
fuel on the fire. And so you want to be careful about the voices. Whose voices are you letting speak into your soul? The fourth one is this, expectations. Expectations are a big thing when it comes to anxiety because we have this expectation sometimes that life is meant to be simple and easy and it's not. It's not. Life is not meant to be simple and easy. In fact, Jesus said this, when trials come, you know, the story of the, the guy who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand, it, 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 we focus so much on one built it on sand and one built it on the rock, but I want to tell you, both had storms. Both had the same storm. One just built on the wrong foundation, so it collapsed, but the guy that built his house on the rock had the same storm. Come on, life is not about it being easy, and so we get anxious because they're like, well, life should be easier than this. It shouldn't be like that. Friend, you, you are a daughter and a son of God. That means that you have an enemy and you better be ready for opposition and you better be ready for him to attack you because he's not going to sit back and go, oh, awesome. You're a Christian? You, oh, man, let me back off so you can have a great life. The Bible says that we are in an army, that we have armor that we're meant to put on. Yeah, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith. Come on. Like, you can't sit there in life and go, I thought it would be easy. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. Because the people that we look up to the most are the ones that have conquered things that we never dreamed we could. Like Sir Edmund Hillary climbing Mount Everest. We honor him because of what he conquered, not because of how cruisy his life was. Are you with me this morning? So it's about daily preparing for that, preparing for the opposition, putting the armor of God on and spending time in his word. Number five, shame. Shame is another thing which causes waves of anxiety to come upon us because, you know, we dread that our past will catch up with us. We, we dread that, that everyone is going to judge us when they find out. And, and friend, can I just say something to you? If you have a fear or a shame of your past, and you have a fear or anxiety that it's going to come up and bite you in the backside. Can I just say something to you this morning? Jesus paid the full price for your sin. The full price. And he took it away. The Bible says that he put it into the sea of forgetfulness. And so often, I do this too, we all do this. God, I'm sorry about that the other week. What other, what, what, what happened the other week? Well, you know, when I did, no, I don't remember that because you've already asked forgiveness, and then you go back to them a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time, a sixth time. Why? Because your anxiety tells you, oh, God hasn't forgiven you, but that's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me that once I ask Him for forgiveness, it's done, it's dusted, it's over. And shame will cause this wave to come back over you. Let me read you a story out of Mark, and we're just going to see how Jesus did things, and and we're going to learn how to be brave. It says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, It's Jesus, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So it's starting to fill up with water from the wind and the waves. And he, that is Jesus, was in the stern, asleep 
on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they have feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? And it's a cool story, right? He says, get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. He goes and has a sleep. While he's sleeping, the wind and the waves get up so much, the boat's starting to fill with water. So they go and wake him and say, don't you care? So he gets up and he calms the sea, right? Removes their problem. And then it says, now they're even more fearful because he did that because they're like, who is this guy? (laughs) So they started all scared about the storm. And now they're even more fearful about the guy who fixed it for them. It's a lesson for us because so often times we cry out to God to calm our storms and then when he does, we get a little bit scared about what's coming next. I know some some women over the years that have prayed for their husbands to come to Christ and after 30 years, her husband came to Christ and then she complained because he's always at church. You want to make sure that what you're asking God to do, you're actually prepared for. Anyway, it's another story. But Jesus says to them, we're going to go to the other side. And uh, they thought, man, he doesn't doesn't care. He He just doesn't care. Have you ever had that moment where you're crying out to God for him to step in and to intervene in your world, and you feel like right now he doesn't care because nothing seems to be changed? Maybe this breakthrough week, You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and nothing seems to have changed and you're thinking to yourself, prayer and fasting is a waste of time because as far as I feel right now, God is asleep in the boat. The thing is is this, that Jesus was asleep in the boat because Jesus was confident and in control of the situation. Even in the middle of the storm, he is in control. If there's one thing you could take out of this message this morning is God is in control in the middle of your storm. Plain sailing doesn't mean you're in God's will. Come on. He sent them into the storm. He said, we're going to cross over knowing that the storm was coming. He sent them into it for a reason, for a purpose. So often we think that plain sailing is God's will, but God says, man, you've got to go through some storms because in the storms is when you learn some things. You actually don't learn from your successes. You learn from the failures. You learn from the valley moments, not the mountain moments. Marriages that are built strong or mums that become incredible mums are the mums that have been able to go through the valleys as much as they've been able to go through the mountains. Are you with me this morning? And so God sends them into it and he's sleeping because he's confident and he's in control. I mean, he had told the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. Come on. He said, we're going to the other side. Is God's promises true? Are they yes and amen? Does his word return back empty? So how come when he says to you and I, come on, get in the boat, we're going to the other side, we freak out in the middle of going to the other side 
and we don't believe he's going to get us to the other side and our anxieties and the waves of our anxieties take over our boat and they start to fill it with fear and worry and doubt while he's sleeping because he's confident because he said before you started, we're going to the other side. Why is it that we don't believe his promises when we're in a storm, but we believe them when we're in plain sailing? Why is it that we ask him to take us on an adventure, but when the adventure starts to begin, we don't trust him anymore and we want out? Because anxiety and ways of it take over. Jesus said to him, man, we're going to the other side. I don't know what's happening in your world right now, but if he's told you we're going to the other side, he will get you to the other side. The important thing is you've got to stay in your boat because that's how you get from one side to the other, by staying in the boat. They had nothing to be anxious about because he promised. But we're like the disciples, yeah? A lot of us, including me. Well, all like that. We let our worries come to pass rather than letting his promises come to pass. Jesus commands the wind and the waves to be still. And in that moment, he's modeling for you and I the authority that we have, the authority that you have to speak to the wind and the waves of our hearts and command them to be still. We have his Holy Spirit on the inside of us so we can leverage Jesus' authority and speak peace to our fears and anxieties of our hearts. I think so often when we're going through things, we're trying to shake Jesus awake to handle our fears when he's trying to awaken us to the faith and the inner brave that we have on the inside so that we can speak to our fears. So often we're trying to wake him up to deal with our situation where God's trying to wake us up to deal with our situation. Trying to wake us up to who we are in Christ. Sons, daughters of the Most High God, co-heirs with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Not once you're dead, but now. You live in two places, heaven and earth. You have authority in both places because you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. If we are sitting beside Him and the earth is His footstool, it's also ours. Come on, friend, like we are in a place of authority. In the book of Genesis from day one, that was God's plan. Go forth, have authority, rule, subdue the earth, rule over it. He understands that the authority that we have is to speak to the ways of anxiety and the fears of our hearts and command them, be still. So my question is this, is it him that's sleeping or is it you? Is he really sleeping in your situation or are you sleeping in your situation? Because it's time to get our inner brave on and the five ways that I believe that you can do that will help you to become brave is the first one is this, is breathe. Just breathe. Sometimes you just need to stop. And just breathe in. So, was this meditation? No. Breathe in and breathe out. And you know what I do in that situation? If His presence is all around me, if God is always with me, then what I tend to do in some situations is, you know what, God, I'm going to breathe you in and I'm going to breathe this anxiety out. 
You know, when you breathe air, what you breathe out is the stuff you don't need. It's the stuff that'll poison you if you hold on to it. So in my situation, if I'm in a situation, I just go, you know what, I'm just gonna breathe. And as I breathe the Holy Spirit in, I'm breathing all this anxiety out. As I'm breathing in what I need, I'm breathing out what I don't need. You're like, where's that in Scripture? Just do it. Jesus breathed on them, and the Spirit came upon them. And if my God is everywhere, it's just like, God, just breathe on me right now. And I just breathe it in, and I breathe it out. And I let God's presence come in. And I breathe in His grace, and I breathe out the anxiety and the fears. The second thing is, is just remember. First breathe, then remember. Remember all the things that He has got you through. Remember the thing two years ago that you thought God was never going to get you through that and He got you through that? The same God that got you through that is going to get you through this. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, every time God did a miracle, they built an altar there as remembrance of what God had done. I don't know about you, but I tend to do this a lot. I tend to have all the, the words that people have given me. I tend to write down in a book every time God comes through for me. Why? So that when I start to go through a difficult time and you know, I can pull out my encouragement folder and I see all the words that people have had, I see all the things that he's done and it starts to build in me this belief It starts to remove the anxiety in me and my fears in me as I remember God that did all that, he can do all this too. Come on. The God that conquered the cross and the grave can conquer this for me. So just remember, remember what he's done. Remember that you're where you are today because God's brought you through the storms of your past. Remembering the faithfulness of God in the past will encourage you to believe in his faithfulness for your today. Third thing is, is ask. Ask. I, I don't know about you, but it's one of the faults in my life is when a situation comes, I tend to try and work out how I'm going to deal with it first before I ask. Is anybody like that? You know? How many people here go to the doctor first before you pray for healing? I'm one of those people. I'll admit I'm one of those. It's like, you know, man flu, I'm dying. And don't, don't, we don't laugh about man flu, do we guys? It's, it's, you know, it's worse than anything. But before I pray and ask God to do something, or if I wake up with a headache, rather than going, God, remove this headache in Jesus' name, it's like, where's the nerfin? You know, it's like, isn't that what we do sometimes? Sometimes we're facing a big circumstance and the last thing we do is actually ask him to intervene. So first thing I want you to do if you want to be brave is breathe, remember, and then ask. And the great thing about asking after you remember is that you're asking in faith because your faith has been built by remembering all the great things that he's done. And the Bible says this, that the prayer of a, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And a fervent prayer is not a... Jesus, a fervent prayer is like, come on, God, you've done this before, you can do it today. That's what fervency is. It's about, and it's about being, you know, like, I don't know, just getting a bit of mongrel on the inside of you that says, you know what, God can do this, and you can ask in faith when you've remembered that he's faithful. The fourth thing is, is visualize it. It's like, oh, now we're getting into new age stuff. No, we're not getting into new age stuff because the Bible says this about faith. Faith is the substance of things hope for, the evidence of things unseen. When we step out in faith, 
we are actually believing for, we're visualizing, we're seeing the answer before it happens. You see, our biggest problem is that you go where you look. So none of us drive the car like this. You want to look where you're going, don't you? Because you know you're going to end up where you've been looking. And so we start to visualize, if you want to be brave, is once you've breathed and once you've remembered and once you've asked, start to see it in your spirit's eye. Start to see God coming for you. Start to see what he's doing. The, the psalmist said this, where does my help come from? I look to the heavens. And what does he see? see he, he visualizing, he's seeing it happen. Elisha's surrounded by a bunch of armies and his servant is freaking out, we're going to die. And what does Elisha do? He says, God, open his eyes to see. And as the servant's eyes are open, he sees the armies of Israel on the hill. He visualizes what God is about to do. And I want to tell you that once you've breathed, once you've remembered and once you've asked, it's time to start seeing because where you look is where you will end up. Start looking and visualizing what it is that God's going to do. And then the fifth thing is, and the most important thing I reckon, is to elevate. Is to elevate. You know, the atmospheric pressure decreases when elevation increases. So the reason why planes fly at 35,000 feet is because at that height, the atmosphere of the, of the world is so light, it enables them to cut through. It enables them to pull away from the gravity and not so much pressure on the plane. A plane takes up most of its fuel in landing and taking off, but once it gets to cruising height, there's not a lot of pressure that happens on the plane. It just, it just glides through the air because it's so thin. The higher you go in the atmosphere, the higher your elevation is, the pressure of the atmosphere decreases. And so it is with us. Because the Bible says this, that when we elevate our perspective by praising Him, we enter in His gates with thanksgiving, into His courts with praise, is what the Bible says. As we praise Him, as we thank Him, we start to elevate ourselves out from the position that we're in into a higher elevation. And then what you start to realize is that the atmospheric pressure of your situation starts to decrease because you elevate yourself up into the position that God has created you to be. You start to see it for what it really is. In, 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 in um, Ezekiel, it says this about Ezekiel, before God showed him the valley of dry bones, it says that he lifted him and then he shifted him and then he put him back down and then he prophesied. When we praise him, when we thank him, when we're being brave, and what happens is it lifts us and then it shifts us and it puts us back down into a right perspective where we can start to prophesy and speak into that anxiety and speak into that fear. And then what comes out of you is your inner brave and not your anxieties. It elevates you above your fears and it elevates you above your anxieties and it allows you to see it from God's perspective so that when you come back down into your situation, you carry with you what it is that God showed you and then you start to speak into it and it starts to change. And that's how to be brave. Breathe. Remember. Ask. I can't remember what the fourth one was. Visualize. 
and then elevate. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing I've learned about myself all through the years, no matter how long I've been a Christian, every time I think I have my anxiety under control or my fears under control, something happens to make me realize that that little mongrel thing is still there for me. Paul said this. He said, I have a thorn in my flesh that I have begged that God would remove. Not prayed, but begged that God would remove. But he says, but God refuses to remove it. And I thank him for that because in my weaknesses, his strength is made perfect. And really what he's saying is, is because of that, it keeps me dependent on him. I'm not promising you this morning that if you do some of these things that I said or when I'm about to pray for you, that as I pray for you this morning, that your anxiety is going to go. I think that sometimes God allows those things to be in place like a thorn in our flesh to make us, to keep us coming back to breathing, remembering, asking, visualizing, and elevating. And I think God just allows that to come every now and then because he wants you to refocus. He wants you to get your perspective right. And if I know anything, it's all of us suffer with anxiety. All of us suffer with fears and anxiousness. All of us tend to overread situations and circumstances. You know what? It's not about whether you are overreading. It's irrelevant. It's not about your anxiety. It's about what you're going to do. How are you going to be brave? How are you going to be brave? Why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? Just close our eyes just for a moment. And while no one's looking around, I want to ask a question this morning. I want to ask a question this morning. Are you prepared to be brave? Are you prepared to be brave? Are you prepared to go, you know what? I might be in the middle of a storm right now, but he promised me that we're going to the other side. I'm going to stay in the boat, but I'm going to speak to the waves and I'm going to speak to the wind. And I'm not going to awaken him. I'm going to awaken myself this morning. Does anybody here this morning says, man, I want to awaken me. And I want to awaken the authority that God has given me. And I want to start to speak to the waves in my situations and my circumstances and say, you know what? Peace be still. Waves cease. That's you here this morning. And you're like, man, Craig, I really love it. If you could pray with me this morning that I'd be able to be somebody that goes, you know what? I'm going to awaken this thing on the inside of me that God's put on me, and I'm going to start to speak. I start to speak to my, the waves of my family, speak to the waves of my finances, speak to the waves of my health. I'm not going to let anxiety flood my boat. I'm going to let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that's going to guard my heart and guard my mind so that I can be elevated and start to speak and prophesy that's you here this morning, man, I'd really love it if you could pray with me that I'll be able to step into my brave this morning. Can you just lift your hand across this place? Every single person, just lift your hand across this place. I mean, help me pray to step into my brave. Pray that I'll be able to step into my brave this morning. Jesus, Jesus. Father, you see every hand that's lifted in this place. God, faith isn't the absence of fear. Faith is having fear and doing it anyway. Faith is about, you know, 
not letting the fear and the anxiety control us, but trusting you. Faith doesn't mean that the fear and the anxiety won't be there. It just means that we elevate ourselves above it. And I pray this morning for every single person in this place that you would awaken, awaken us, awaken the authority, awaken the power, awaken the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, that we'll be able to say, you know, hold on a sec, I'm not going to wake up God for this. I'm going to speak to this myself. I'm going to start to speak to my anxieties. I'm going to start to speak to my fears. I'm going to stop using other voices to create my ways, but I'm going to breathe and I'm going to remember and I'm going to ask and I'm going to visualize what it is about you do. And then I'm going to elevate myself into a position where I can prophesy, where I can speak, where I can proclaim the promises of God in that situation. I thank you, God, for your strength and for your courage. God, put brave on the inside of every one of us. God, that we'd be able to look at ourselves and go, I'm brave enough for this. I got a brave on the inside of me. It's time to awaken my inner brave. So awaken it this morning, God. Awaken it in our lives this morning, the inner brave, to be all that you created us to be, to keep our eyes on the other side, not what's in the middle, and to speak to the wind and the waves and let your peace, your peace, Guard our hearts and our minds from the worries and the fears. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Why don't you give Jesus a hand this morning?